Warning, the following podcast contains full frontal profanity. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Wix, for hymns, and by Bill Barr's new line of toys, Redaction Figures. You give us 20 bucks, and we'll tell you how much fun you'd have with these toys is if we'd given them to you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Redaction Figures. Don't worry about it. And now... The Scathing Atheist. It's March 28th. And it's Weed Appreciation Day. Every day is Weed Appreciation Day. You're damn right <laughs> it is. I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Kellyanne Conway's New Jersey. Oh, no. Too far. Cincinnati Swing State. <laughs> and good husband, Georgia. This is The Skating Atheist. That was low. On this week's episode, all churches are bad. We learned that Donald Trump had absolutely no part in redacting. <laughs> we learn all about the dangers of going ash to mouth. But first, the diatribe. Last weekend, I was in Austin for the ACA's first International Atheist Day event, and it was awesome amounts of fun. I gave a speech there. I got to rub elbows with some pretty awesome atheists, and I also got to drive 32 hours worth in three days. From all the way out there, did the event, turned around and drove back. So the short end of that is that I had remarkably little time left over from my normal weekly activities, like writing a diatribe, for example. Of course, I did actually have to write a speech for the Atheist Day event, and it was approximately diatribe length or so. So with apologies, I'm going to repurpose some gently used material here and share the speech I gave in Austin. Now, the cadence will be a little weird for a diatribe, but you'll get used to it. Um, I should say the theme of the event was community. So I decided to talk about why building atheist communities is such an uphill battle. And here's what I wrote. Ahem. I have to admit it. Atheist communities are nowhere near as good at making promises as religious ones. That is one place where we can't touch them. They promise all the answers, miraculous healing, and heaven's everlasting. Atheism sure can't keep promises like that. Uh, of course, neither can religion. It's just that that doesn't stop them from making those promises. But it makes it really hard for us. A person starts to doubt their religion. They, they wonder if their God is real. And they come to us and they say, okay, what's in brand X? What do you guys have to offer? My last guy promised me all the answers from an omnipotent, omnitemporal being that loved me unconditionally and knew which way every hair on my head was oriented at all times. Weird thing for God to keep track of in my mind. But anyway, how the hell are we supposed to compete with that? You know, when it comes to answers, we don't ask God. We ask Alexa. Half the time, she doesn't even know what you just said. Of course, she does answer. Yeah, and, and no, she doesn't know the meaning of life, and she doesn't know what your divine purpose is. But if you ask her and God what the capital of Mozambique is, she's going to be God to the answer every time. 
But still, this is what we have to settle for. We can't turn to a God for our answer, so we have to turn to humans. And that means we get the kind of answers you get from humans. Imperfect, incomplete, and full of mistakes. But our answers keep getting better. Our answers today are better than our answers 50 years ago and worse than the ones that we'll have 50 years from now. But when you were promised a God, how lame is we're trying our best, right? I mean, their side promises miracles. They can't deliver on them, of course, or at least not anymore. You know, God used to do miracles all the time back in the days before medical records and photography. It used to be that every saint worth his salt had cured at least one blind person. But God stopped doing that, or never did. I'm guessing never did. But that didn't stop religion from promising it. And as bad as their track record is, people start doubting their religion. They come to us and they say, hey, you know, my last guy promised me miraculous healings. What do you guys have? And what do we have? Okay, in this instance, it's actually pretty good, right? I mean, once we shoved their lazy-ass God out of the way and started taking this shit on our own shoulders, we actually got pretty good at curing diseases and stuff. I mean, we, we did a remarkably bad job for a really long time, but as soon as we got over that Hippocratic Oath bar, we were already ahead of God. And yes, our medicine is imperfect. It's incomplete. We make a lot of mistakes because we're humans and that's how humans do things. And yes, we can't cure blindness yet, but we're a hell of a lot closer than we were 50 years ago and nowhere near as close as we'll be in 50 years. But all of this pales in comparison to their big promise, right? That one where you get to live forever in a city of clouds with golden streets and your grandma's there and Fluffy's there and there's a bunch of little cherubs playing a harp and nobody ever has to die. I feel like that's about as big a promise as a promise can get. But I got to admit it, we got nothing on that shit. Science can't give you immortality and it probably never will. So when the newly doubtful Christian comes to us and they're like, hey, the last guy offered me heaven everlasting, we're going to bite the bullet and say, yeah. We just admit you die, right? I mean, you know, if you think of mortality on a spectrum, everything we don't die of anymore gets us a little closer to immortality, but you can't reach infinity incrementally. So we'll never have much on this one. Of course, you're still closer today than you were 50 years ago, right? I mean, think about this. It used to be a few lucky people per generation could expect their words to echo forward into history when they like, you know, wrote a historically important work of literature or they led a nation or they wrote a poem or a song that would outlive them. And most of us will never do anything like that. But hey, you know, at least the Library of Congress is archiving your tweets. I, that doesn't seem like much, but think about that. Your great, great grandchildren might get curious about their ancestry and they'll be able to read your tweets. And that should terrify you. But it's also pretty cool. The, the, the point, though, is that this is what we're reduced to. Doubting Christian comes to atheism and they say, hey, what do you guys have in terms of uh, immortality? And we're like, Twitter. Right. So considering all that, it's amazing that we're able to build communities at all. But here's the thing. And I think even the religious people will agree with me on this one. God is already as good as he's ever going to get. That nothing that you hear when you ask him a question, that's never going to get any louder. That nothing that happens when you pray, that's never going to get any better. That nothing that happens when you die, never going to get any less terrifying. So atheism won't promise you any different. But the trick up our sleeve is that we don't have to. 
right? Atheism doesn't have to compete with the promises that religion made. We just have to compete with the promises they kept. And that we can do. I mean, our communities are imperfect. They're incomplete. They make a lot of mistakes, but they get better. And even before they do, we're already in the lead because our imperfect something was already better than their perfect nothing. And our hard truth is already better than their easy lie. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the yakko and wacko to my dot Heath and right and Eli Bosnick. Fellas. Are you ready to get loose and then vamoose? Okay, who locked the talking dogs in the water tower in the first place? These are the questions <laughs> the show. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm obviously wacko, and I packed away the snacks. Well, there the you final. go. <laughs> yeah. Later cheese in the tower. We're all set. <laughs> in our lead story tonight, Donald Trump has been completely cleared of collusion. Huh. <laughs> At least according to Attorney General William Barr. The guy who got hired two months ago to say exactly that, whose number one qualification for the job was saying exactly that before the report yep. was even done. Yes. His number two qualification, to be clear, was literally being an attorney general of the United States once before. <laughs> that was number two. And uh, now we're watching Trump supporters all taking a victory lap, even though we haven't even seen the Mueller report. I, this, this is like somebody thinking of the seven of diamonds in their head and then Eli dancing around on stage like he won after he pulled out a blacked out card that says redacted on it. This is nothing. <laughs> well, I tell you about the card. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. yeah, tell you what I saw. I, keep in mind that what we've seen to this point, like to the point of this recording, is it's like the studio's blurb about a movie the critics haven't been allowed to see yet, right? And... The best the studio can say of this film is of the evidence the president committed felonies, some of it is already known to the public. <laughs> plus, I decided not to arrest him. <laughs> yeah. Side note, if you want like a longer breakdown of this, opening arguments did an amazing deconstruction of Barr's statement. So, you know, maybe listen to that and send it to your weird, gloaty uncle who nice. pretends you could change his mind. <laughs> but you can't. You can't. He doesn't actually want to talk to you. No. He, just, no. he just doesn't want to feel like a bad person. He doesn't he want any arguments, opening, closing, rational nope. or otherwise. Yeah. He's not even going to listen to it, but send it to him. Why not? Uh, yeah. So the most obnoxious <laughs> redacted victory laps are being taken by prominent evangelicals who somehow support Donald Trump. And honestly, that's exactly what we should be expecting. Redacted victory laps is basically all of religion summed up in a single phrase. <laughs> and of course, that means we got to hear from Franklin Graham of the uh, nobody fucking cares. I'm not listing his credentials <laughs> like they're real. Absolutely not. No, they are the fakest credentials ever to require nepotism. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Graham took some time away from being Brian Dennehy's Cutco salesman stunt double, and <laughs> tweeted out the following on Sunday. Quote, The Mueller report is in, and no evidence of collusion. The sad thing is, America has lost two years and untold millions of dollars. You just told it. Um, <laughs> also, didn't lose that. We spent the money. Yeah, and no. 
the the two years existed temporarily. I don't understand <laughs> that comment. Uh, continuing, America lost two years and untold millions of dollars on investigations as President Trump's enemies spouted lie after lie. Uh, then there was something about the liberal media. I blacked out a little bit. Uh, continuing again, <laughs> my prayer is that this is over and the Democrats and Republicans will now work together to solve the problems our country faces. Uh, good luck with that. Um, Maybe he'll learn about how well praying works. Maybe <laughs> something there. Yeah, and then he closes it out. Pray with me that God will guide, direct, and protect President Trump and our nation. End quote. Like, starting now? Yeah. Like now? <laughs> Been doing that? Weird time to pick to start doing the prayers. Yeah. And one other prominent evangelical that we heard from this week was Jerry Falwell Jr., who took some time away from being Davy Crockett's Cutco salesman stunt double, <laughs> to also tweet about how Donald Trump got completely exonerated of any wrongdoing by the Russian nesting doll of reports about reports about reports <laughs> of the Mueller report. I, I guess William Barr finished his report report, and then he unzipped his skin, and the xenomorph from Alien was inside, and then the xenomorph confirmed what Barr said, and then, obviously, the little baby alien mouth popped out <laughs> yeah, right, from the right. bigger aliens report. So it's extra true. It's a lot of layers. Uh, apparently, this was all a witch hunt and, quote, a Democrat onslaught, the likes of which has never happened in our history, end quote. <laughs> guys, guys, if it wasn't good, I don't think the studio could get away with calling it an exhilarating thrill ride, okay? It's a legally protected <laughs> term. At this point... Theocrats might as well be rolling a single six-sided die and then bragging about rolling a seven. Like, that's where we are as a nation. Yeah, and by the way, Falwell has the attention span of about a tweet, like 280 characters. Actually, not even 280. And we learned that when he finished his one single tweet about the Mueller report and then immediately spent the rest of his day getting way too excited about the Liberty University basketball team. <laughs> they won a single NCAA tournament game for the first time in their history last weekend. So he started throwing out prayers for their big Cinderella run, which ended two days later when they obviously lost to Virginia Tech <laughs> because God prefers STEM subjects and other real stuff. Well, yeah, so I mean, it, it says all we need to know about Falwell that like them winning their first tournament game ever bolstered his belief in God, right? <laughs> Big comeback here. We got and we lost. We did it, everybody. We did <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just in case anyone forgot, we already know that the Mueller investigation exposed a giant web of illegal activity surrounding the 2016 election and led to prison terms for several high-level members of the Trump team. If even a tiny fraction of that was uncovered about President Hillary Clinton, we'd have, like, tiki torch riots at every Walmart. It would not be pretty. <laughs> right. Well, They'd be overturning all of those new taco <laughs> trucks. <laughs> Whose aisle? Our aisle. Yeah, it would not go well. And in Folly Esther news. Fantastic. According, thank you. According to <laughs> Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Donald Trump is just like, follow me on this, 
a Jewish girl who won yes. a beauty contest <laughs> to become queen of Persia and then went on to save her people from persecution by the uh, Persian equivalent of Trump's voting base who wanted to eradicate the foreigners, starting with the Jewish people. Yep. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Our country's highest ranking diplomat was visiting Israel and he said out loud into a microphone that he thinks Donald Trump is just like Queen Esther from the Bible, the book of Esther. <gasps> be, 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 uh, Mr. Be, Trump, be, please be, put be. your clothes back on. Please. No, no, you heard Mikey. I thought he was going to be singing Bye 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 as part of the beauty uh, contest. Be, talent be, portion. Be. Yeah, absolutely. There it is. That's better. <laughs> so. Here's a, here's a quick background on the Queen Esther story for context. It was around 470 BC. Uh, Xerxes I was the king of Persia, and he threw a big party. And he told his queen, Queen Vashti, to come out and, you know, be hotter than everyone else's wife. So I look good. But she didn't feel like it because obviously that's obnoxious. So he banished her forever. Obviously, that meant it was time for a beauty contest to pick a new queen, which was won by Esther. Um, so spot on Donald Trump so far. Right? <laughs> I, sorry, remind me, when did Xerxes cheat on his wife with a porn star right after she gave birth to his son? I'm just trying to. It shouldn't timeline. be this easy to think of something about our president that makes him look bad in comparison to Xerxes. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so eventually, uh, Esther found out about a plot to have all the Jewish people in Persia get exterminated. Because some Persian Nazi advisor to Xerxes was like, hey, uh, how should we pick a genocide since we have to pick one? I know, I'll cast some lots. So he threw some rocks on the ground and they spelled out, uh, kill the funny ones with the money, I guess. They always do. And they always somehow do. Somehow the rocks are interesting. But <laughs> Esther found out about the plot. Uh, she told her people to fast and pray. And then she managed to talk the king into killing the Nazi guy instead of doing the genocide. And then the Jewish people lived happily ever after, forever and ever, in both <laughs> the Middle East and Europe because of all the great praying. And now they're a beloved minority here in the United States, too. One of Donald Trump's best son-in-laws is Jewish. And his daughter birthed some amazing Jewish babies. So, yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump is the Esther of 2019. Clearly, obviously. <laughs> Said our Secretary of State. Secretary well, of State. It, it's 50-50 that at some point he'd had to talk himself out of ordering a genocide. So I can see how Pompeo might get there. That makes sure. sense. Sure. <laughs> so getting back to Mike Pompeo's story, uh, he was in Jerusalem and he decided to do an interview. And he figured the best bet for a news outlet in the country of Israel would be the Christian Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Because, again, you know, he's an expert in diplomacy. Yeah, That's his right. entire no, job. Clearly. And during the interview, he was asked, quote, could it be that President Trump has been sort of raised for such a time as this, just like Queen Esther, to help save the Jewish people from the Iranian menace? End what? Quote. And... I got to assume this question happened as part of an elaborate wager. But uh -huh. <laughs> regardless, here's the response from Pompeo. Quote, as a Christian, I certainly believe that's possible. So 
Good start. I mean, that fits after literally any sentence. Um, <laughs> he continued, we were down in the tunnels where we could see 3,000 years ago and mm. 2,000 years ago. Mm. If I have the history just right, you absolutely do not, <laughs> to see the remarkable history of the faith in this place and the work that our administration's done to make sure that this Jewish state remains, end quote. Now, if I'm correct, magic Jews dug these bottomless pits to poop into four billion years ago. <laughs> I am the secretary of state. Yeah. <laughs> he starts telling him about the fun little reenactment village he went to where people still live like they did back in Bible days. Somebody's like, uh, uh, Mr. Pompeo, that's Palestine. Shut up. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> I wondered about the fence. But now. <sighs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So Mike Pompeo. Uh, if you're listening, and bring we it know in, you buddy. Are. Just Come a quick off. suggestion. Tuck it. Tuck it in. You tucking it? You tucking it, Mike Pompeo? Tuck, tuck it, Mike Pompeo. There we go. Uh, here's the suggestion. Maybe stop trying to fit Donald Trump into stories from the Old Testament as one of those yeah, characters. Yeah, that is our thing, asshole. Yeah, right? Thing. <laughs> called it. But, but if you really feel like you absolutely have to, maybe go with God, the giant bigot who got replaced by other minority groups after his first term. So. <laughs> and in Temple of Dumb News tonight, every man's dignity has a price, and for Dartmouth College professor of physics Marcelo Gleiser, that price was $1.4 million. Boo. And I'll be honest, not a bad Boo. price. And to be fair to the professor, he was basically a prostitute that was already gonna fuck you before you offered him money. <laughs> It's really hard to say who's the dumber side of this uh, physics transaction, I guess. Right. <laughs> just uh, just want to throw this out there. Two-thirds of this podcast will also literally say anything for $1.4 million. But go on. No, you were saying yeah, so I no, just wanted to yeah. make sure. So, okay. New. This story is about this year's recipient of the Templeton Prize, an boo. annual grant. Boo. Yeah, right. Yeah, let me give you some time to boo. Um, this is an Boom. annual grant given to the scientist who does the most to squirt the perfume of science under the bullshit of religion. It's awarded annually to the most credible sounding person who says religion isn't definitely wrong in public the loudest. Because like all things that are true and genuine and could win in the court of ideas, if it only was given a fair shake, it's subsidized to the tune of seven figures by ideologues with no claim to objectivity. Cool, 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 cool. Just out of curiosity, crazy. How does one go about being a credible sounding person? It's going to one... start with better <laughs> typing skills. Okay. All right. So this year's no. winner is Professor Gleiser, who, <laughs> in the Templeton Foundation's words, quote, is a prominent voice among scientists who rejects the notion that science alone can lead to the ultimate truths about the nature of reality. End nope. quote. Yeah, and despite all the words that come after scientists directly contradicting the word scientist, Gleiser <laughs> proudly accepted the award saying, quote, my mission is to bring back to science and to people that are interested in science this attachment to the mysterious to make Ooh. people understand that science is just one other way for us to engage with the mystery of who we are, end quote. Okay, I mean, you could engage however you want, just like, ooh, mystery, like engaged, check, yeah, nailed it. Right, right, done. yeah, imagine scientists who are interested in mystery. So look, if you noticed that the entire quote was bullshit, congratulations, you might just have seen your path to earning 1.4 million bucks. That is his whole fucking shtick. 
Right. Like he goes out there with his shoddily constructed straw man, says, I reject the atheist assertion that they saw there not being a God and took pictures of him not existing, as well as their claim that they had a circular square girlfriend in Canada that we've never met. And then he goes home last week. His strategy of yelling, la, 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 can't hear you anytime somebody tried to actually define atheism to him seems to have paid off. <laughs> great. We're going to make science great again. Really excited about that. <laughs> Well, it's obviously time for revenge. So we managed to send Eli in undercover as Gleiser's new lab assistant. Morgan, roll the tape. Hi, Professor Gleiser. Hi, uh, Eli, right? So excited to be working here. I'm really glad to have you. Okay, so now we're going to be for the... Sorry, first... one second, just before we start. Dear, sweet, heavenly father. Oh, uh, we're praying. Mm. Uh, we're praying. Uh, Please shine your lightning down on our endeavors and help us discover how a donkey talked. Amen. I'm sorry, how a donkey talked? Yeah, yeah, I really dug your speech thing. And I was just thinking like, sure, science is great. But what if you and me, we just like really figured out how God made a donkey talk, right? Sorry, sorry. Hello. Good. He's here. Uh, I'm sorry, who's here? This is a lab. Okay, we have standards. Oh, this is Heath, and I really, really believe he's a scientist, you know? Did so, you tell him um, about the doggy thing? About the talking I did. Doggy I thing? told him. I did. Yes. All right. It's going to be like Shrek. Yes, like Shrek. Like Shrek. Damn it. Everybody like parfait. <laughs> and having Inchever closer to the mascot we want and you deserve, we'll pause for a word from this week's first sponsor, Wix. All right, all right. I hereby call together the meeting of totally not racist, just happen to be white guys who run social media. Uh, let's take attendance here. Jack? Here. Uh, Mark? Here in this planet where I always am. You don't have to say that. I say things with my mouth. Okay, thanks, Mark. Uh, gentlemen, I'm not going to beat around the bush. More and more people are unhappy with our websites. At Not Enough Nazis? Nope, uh, actually opposite of that. Season Guantan. Nope, not Mark. Come on. Mouth. No. They're building their own websites is the problem with Wix.com. Building your own website? But that's impossible unless you're a super rational, not racist genius. Or a time-traveling computer sent back to delay the apocalypse. Well, that's the thing. With Wix.com, you can make a great-looking website in minutes using one of their hundreds of beautiful templates. They have built-in SEO tools and much, much more. So wait, you're saying people might build a website and not have Nazis on it? I, but then how will it be a website? Doesn't even make sense. By going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash podcast, and they'll get 10% off. Wix.com slash podcast. We are talking with our mouths, all we of are. us together. Mark, we are. I'm a robot from the future. We know, man. Everybody knows. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate race. It makes you a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey! I'm proud of a man. This week in Misogyny. In the wake of the Christchurch shootings, a lot of well-meaning atheist voices called upon our community to moderate our criticism of Islam. And while I get where they're coming from, I reject the premise that gets them there. The problem isn't too much criticism of Islam. It's too little criticism of white supremacy. 
I mean, I'm not going to tell other people what to do. They can moderate whatever the hell they want, but I'll still be calling out religious misogyny every week. So I'll still be talking a lot about Islam. Because look, all the religions are sexist and they're all dangerous. But I feel like a good metric when comparing the relative dangers between the religions is to ask yourself, what's the dumbest thing that religion ever inspired somebody to kill over? And when you ask questions like that about Islam, you invariably land on answers like the recent death of Pakistani professor Khalid Hamid. He was stabbed to death by an Islamic militant for the crime of hosting a co-ed party for new students. That's right. He allowed men and women to be in the same building without partitions. Now, don't get me wrong. Christians don't fare a hell of a lot better when you use that yardstick. But since I don't have a topical story of an abortion clinic bombing or anything handy, we'll have to measure them by a slightly modified version of the same test. And that's the one where you judge a religion by the most grotesque actions they find themselves defending. And when you use that metric, you invariably land on answers like the recent marital rape denial from the fundamentalist mommy blogger, Lori Alexander. She published an entire article this week about how women don't have the right to deny their husband's sex. And while she doesn't explicitly endorse marital rape, she does bolster the argument that it doesn't exist. Her advice to ladies who may not be in the mood is to always remember that God is watching. Not sure how that's supposed to help. Maybe showing off to old guys does it for her. Maybe married fundamentalists are like God's porn and Lori doesn't want him to have to switch the videos halfway through. Not really sure. One way or the other, it's pretty fucked up. But since I hit you with two depressing ones in a row, let me close on a high note. See, you can measure a religion by what it demands its followers defend, but you can judge a person by how much of that shit they take before they say no. Well, a whole bunch of women just found that line this week, which is why the Vatican's all-female magazine finds itself suddenly looking for an entire new staff. That's right. The founder and the entire newsroom quit en masse a couple days ago, citing Vatican pressure to stop talking about the nuns that they raped so much. So despite Lori Alexander's advice, here are a few Christian women who weren't in the mood to get fucked, so they said so. And on that brief glimpse of empowerment, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in making an ash of yourself news tonight, for many Uh, people, uh, it's, thank you, for many people, it's hard to remember when their friendship really blossomed. When did you first start hanging out? Where did your bromance begin? But for me, and no illusions, there's a pretty concrete beginning. Oh, there is. And that's (laughs) quite a few years ago when I drew a smiley face on my forehead on Ash Wednesday and told everyone who tried to yell at me that my priest had Parkinson's disease. (laughs) I I can vouch for that. There are pictures 100% true on all counts. And, And it wasn't just friendship. Like, I mean... I had the time of my life started playing. Eli jumped off the stage. He ran to me. We did the lift. Yep. Noah lifted me. Correct. Yes, I can lift you. If you think our listeners won't step up for a reenact the finale of Dirty Dancing Patriarchal, you misjudge them, sir. Exactly. (laughs) Gentlemen, this is a Wendy's that you're in? Okay, so. You got a good spring floor going here. now it's a Wendy's with class. (laughs) Does your well, fat friend want some burgers? I do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Acknowledge you. me. He's ordering for the three of us. 
Well, it appears at long last this year, I've been outdone when it comes to Ash Wednesday prank wars, specifically by St. Augustine's Catholic High School in Redditch, England, which accidentally handed out toxic ash. What? This past, this past <laughs> Ash Wednesday, sending two of its students to the hospital. What the fuck? Y'all remind me why we even have toxic ash. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, Teresa May was hanging out by the, you know, the regular ash pile, and she touched her hair near that. What? Okay, but I guess that doesn't answer the question. Uh, the toxic pile is for the orphans. <laughs> right. Stuff. Face. Yeah, I mean, orphan face stuff. It is a Catholic school. So, uh, so far, 73 students and 16 staff have been affected with nobody aware of what caused the problem. And while medical experts did warn that there could have been permanent cross-shaped scarring, it appears nothing that funny actually happened. So okay, well. you can go ahead and laugh at this. This is just... I was going to laugh hurt. anyway. Catholic yeah. schools hire people from the American South sometimes to England. <laughs> you don't know. about what just happened. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're... And, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you getting on me for not doing the accents? Well, yeah. I was no, Keith? I was, I was, I did a, an American race South coward. Accent, oh, okay. You are. All right, so we both you're a race okay. coward. <laughs> and in more ironic news tonight, you know, in today's woke culture, it's nice to know that we'll always be able to make fun of Italians. pizza pie. See, no emails, no tweets. Feels good whenever I want. Eli. <laughs> Do you have a story or is this just... That's a spicy meatball. Right? Heath gets it, but yeah. I'm rubbing olive oil on my beautiful body. Right? We can do this. Never Look have to me. worry. I don't it's know. So fun. can. But I do have a story. I do. Uh, <laughs> Massimiliano Federica. Sorry. Um, last one. I promise. Okay. Uh, a a senior member <laughs> of the far-right Northern League party spent four days in the hospital this week after contracting chickenpox, which is amazing. Uh, I'll explain. It's amazing because a bad thing happened to a bad person, but it is extra amazing because one of the foremost policies and causes of the Northern League party is fighting mandatory vaccination. Okay, I'm glad you eventually got around to that because like, I don't know if you noticed, but until those last two words, this was just a story of you liking it when Italian people were itchy. Okay, I feel attacked. I can have stories sometimes. I like when they're slippery. Thank you. See? Everyone's I was got complimentary. They hit a beautiful naked body. Yeah. Olive oil's delicious. The cuisine is delightful. <laughs> I just want to be clear about everything I said. Heath wants to fuck Mario. I like it when they're itchy. I'm Great. You want to do the show you founded? You know, it comes together. <laughs> All right. So that's right. The man who called Italy's mandatory vaccination policy Stalinist got a taste of his own not medicine. Oops. And that's fantastic. <laughs> but as doctors have pointed out, he also could have like infected someone who we don't want bad things to happen to, like a pregnant woman or a baby that wasn't old enough to be vaccinated yet. Right. So even when perfect, just, and wonderful things happen to anti-vaxxers, they're dangerous. Never forget that. Yeah, right. Like, if, if drunk drivers always just hit embankments, the laws wouldn't need to be as strict. <laughs> <laughs> or if they just hit anti-vaxxers. Yeah, there exactly. you go. ba ba boop ba Sorry, I have no regrets. I have no... <laughs> so Why'd you say sorry? We were with the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and finally tonight, in Afterlife Way News... 
It turns out that paranoid old lady who still keeps her savings in a mattress stash hasn't heard of Amazon and needs a steady supply of mothball-scented candles that explicitly praise Jesus is no longer a large enough demographic to build a 170-store national chain around because we learned (laughs) this week that Lifeway, America's favorite source for books about the Bible for people who have and will never read the Bible, will be closing all its locations. (laughs) God starts drawing him a supply and demand curve to explain it. Okay, so this, uh, wow, already lost you. That was quick. I, I just wrote the letter P is for price. That's all I've done so far. Okay. Really? Okay. What if we also sell cheap Velcro shoes that fall apart once a month? How's Payless doing? What? <laughs> God damn it. What? That's right. Despite being my go-to source for Jesus action figures and Armor of God Daniel Edition play sets, both real items that I've bought from Lifeway, uh, they found that even their backward-ass customers can just buy shit online now. Uh, The announcement was filled with righteous lamentations about how they did everything they could to keep their stores open, including, and this is real, recently banning books that affirm marriage equality and refer to female genitalia. But still, <laughs> what? despite all that, the invisible hand of the market delivered the inevitable demographic bitch slap we've been waiting for. Oh, I just love the idea that their first thought was maybe we weren't hateful and prude enough. Yes. <laughs> and yes. They're, they're cool with penis books, but I, not I guess you can mention the existence of penises. I think it's because the Bible does that. You know, you got to tell them where to cut. And with another rival vanquished, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. I very much respect the Italian ethnicity. (laughs) And when we come back, we'll reach way deep into the miracle barrel. Yeah, so that's why I'd like some, you know, uh, dick pills. Mmm. Uh, have you tried thinking of, like, Farrah Fawcett? Has this ever happened to you? Hi, I'm No Illusions, here to talk to you about 4 a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss, which means no waiting room, no awkward in-person doctor visits. Please just prescribe me the medicine I need. Okay, but have you tried, like, a magazine? I like Forbes. Um, Forbes as like a, a sex thing? No, just as a magazine. With four hymns, just answer a few quick questions. A doctor will review and can prescribe you what you need and products are shipped directly to your door. Oh, I like to rub it between my hands like I'm starting a fire, like a Boy Scout. Okay, this has to be illegal. If you'd like to order now, our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now while supplies last. Restriction supplies, see website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Just go to 4 slash scathing. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash scathing. 4 slash scathing. Anything is better than this. Okay, what if I give you one pill and then you film it and send me the tape? I'm calling the police right now. Please don't. I will do the tape thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's been said for the purposes of this intro 
that making a movie is the act of painting a thought across the screen, which adds a special challenge to Christian movie makers whose thoughts tend to be really, really short. And that leaves us with a lot of tiny little Christian flicks that wouldn't fit into our sister show, God Awful Movies, but are still too God Awful to ignore, which is why we're presenting another edition of God Awful Minis. So tell us, Heath, what will we be breaking down today? We watched In the Arms of Angels. It's the story of how God is a manipulative sociopath who has Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Yep. <laughs> and that's why he's the best. But lazily, but lazily, though. Yeah. So, Eli, how bad was this mini? Well, if you love hearsay, but you hate when things happen, <laughs> you will love this mini. It's it's rare that we watch a, a film where I'm like, I'm surprised they got a full 11 minutes out of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So is there anything you guys want to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? Um, no. <laughs> All right, it's a, it's a mini. That. So we'll do a mini version of the best worst. I got one. How about MacGuffin? Okay. This movie is propelled forward by the unquenchable desire for unwashed tree cum. It is. It is. Uh, I'm going to go with best worst breakfast club clothes. The protagonist of this movie gets the saddest goddamn postscript you have ever. I've thought about it a hundred times since I watched this thing. How empty a life must have been. Yeah, right. For that for to that be, to all be what to they say. said about her. All right. So we're going to start this off with a bullshit combination of words that follows. It says on screen, this is a true story. And then in much smaller font, taken from pioneer accounts. <laughs> well, it's true. Well, I mean, this guy said it was a true <laughs> story. It's a true uh, claim. Yeah. William Barr read the story. Yeah. And said it's true. <laughs> yeah. So we open off on uh, open up on some rocks falling into the water. Yeah. And one of those like life is Falling rocks. Yeah. Like, like life is, I'm just going to stop you right there. It's going to be stupid, whatever you say, when you try to say life. Life is gravity. Great. Go. Just don't, do your movies. Don't say the thing on the screen. No. <laughs> please. Just please. And then the narrator says, learning obedience might be life's hardest lesson of all. Guess the gender of the narrator that said that. Everybody guess. Gender. Non-binary? Also, not if your dumb is clear on pre and after care. Okay. Right. So like if, <laughs> be real about that. All right. So we see this little uh, slow motion landslide and just and just at the end of it, we see a basket in it. That's pretty scary. Then we cut to the American West in 1885. America is great right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is what we're shooting for. And of course, because it's 1885, we open on wood chopping. <laughs> well, kind of. They could not get a single shot of anybody on their set actually chopping one piece of wood. No! Nope. We went extreme no. close up every time it was time for and I think that was the same shot of a splitting log that we saw like four times. <laughs> so bad. And there's a little kid off to the side just bothering the dad who's supposed to be chopping wood, just being like, Dad, Dad. <laughs> Why can't you ever chop the wood with your body in the frame? <laughs> Kid's a wood voyeur. I wanted to know where that was going. He's just like, oh, chop that wood, dad. Chop it. <laughs> chop it. 
I've been there. I've been yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> My dad was so much better at chopping wood than me. For it took me so long to get good at it. <laughs> you are much better at chopping wood than him now, though. Yeah. I am. That's true. Maybe Achieved I don't know. He might. Lot. He might still be weirdly good at that. It's very possible he has this weird muscle memory that <laughs> supersedes stroking. Yeah, <laughs> spaghettiing it around with an axe. <laughs> He's just got to put him in. <laughs> very possible. All right. So, uh, so the kids bothering dad though because it's almost time for them to go get gum off of the trees, and that's the. <laughs> In their own words, most exciting day of the summer. Woof. It's, it's fucking sap time. Let's do this. <laughs> sap day. What? Yes. Well, because you see, they get to leave the work behind for that day. And and collect sap in buckets for hours. Well, Not work. Yes, yeah, sap in buckets collection. Different work time. for those hours. Yeah. Also, they describe it as the chewing gum for the year. That it, is, is that a real thing that they would do I, back I in guess, the day? Would they chew yeah. tree sap as gum? I guess. I feel like that would be good. I mean, you don't have to chew gum. Like yep, you can is. just <laughs> chew food only and that works. <laughs> no, they show her picking some of it off the tree. And I wrote my notes. Okay, that's the grossest thing I've ever seen someone intending to chew. And I watch porn. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) But, okay, so here's the thing. She's really excited to go pick tree cum, but dad tells her that she has to stay home this time around because mom's pregnant and can't take care of the toddler. So she has to do it. And she loses her mind. She goes, she hangs herself like a goddamn Stoneman Douglas kid. She is out. Jesus Christ. She goes bananas on this. She wanted to go... (laughs) Booger picking. What? Yeah, okay, so here's what I'm going to edit in where Eli said that. <laughs> I like. I liked what he told her to stop. Like she's she's taking like that gross stuff off a tree, and he's like, "Bell, Bell, her name's Bell," and he's like, "Bell, that's that's come." Like, uh, <laughs> how, how many times do I have to tell you that's the come tree? You're the, all the other ones are the. It's similar. I get it, but that's the, that one is the come tree. I'll put a flag. Indistinguishable. Yeah, put a flag. I thought we agreed you would put a flag. <laughs> all right, but yeah, so she has to stay home and watch her little brother, and she's really sad that she's going to miss the tree come picnic. So she decides to take her little brother with her, and she's uh, now. Keep in mind, the family left on a horse-drawn carriage hours ago. She's going to catch up with them with the toddler now. <laughs> so I decided to take a toddler on a dangerous hike where he'd clearly get almost killed, but saved by God. Something like that. <laughs> exactly. Right. That was the plan. Um, and they take a shortcut through the dangerous, scary place. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, it's a, this hill... They're trying to make it look scary. You could murder a Roman soldier on that thing. Let me tell you right now. All sideways. <laughs> it's so dumb. They're trying to make it sound all dangerous at first. It's like, all right, we took a shortcut through Death Trap Gully. Yes. There's uh, Death Valley. We got Death Trap Gully. It's similar. There's <laughs> there's a, a flame quagmire, a fire swamp, a flame quagmire. There's I'm not misspeaking. Of, Please listen. Uh Above average stature, there's luck. <laughs> be a dick. Yeah, so they cut through Death Trap Gully, and she's going, like, the narrator's going, like, Dad always told us to avoid the fuck out of this place. And and then they come upon the place, and it's just this rolling glen, you know. 
Just kind of a <laughs> lovely little lake. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you get, it's supposed to be a rock slide. Now, look, I didn't Google whether or not rock slides are real, but I haven't been you, outside in sorry. a very long time. Yeah, Sorry, uh, you're, you're not sure still at this very moment whether it's real that rocks can slide downwards? <laughs> That's, that is correct. Um, okay. But I don't believe it. He's not a point. gravity denier. He's just asking questions. I don't feel it in my heart that rocks slide. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there that's real, first of all, Eli. Um, and the point is, yeah, that their path, they come upon a part of the path being blocked by a recent rock slide. And but it's not dangerous either. It's this again, like you said, it's this beautiful pond, and she's just like the path was blocked by uh, a good deal of pebbles. There's <laughs> a some lot pebbles of, here. Lot of pebbles. Tens. Tens of pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she just says she's going to navigate this rock slide anyway. And they last a good two steps before everything goes to shit, right? Yeah. She's just like, all right, uh, this, this is going well. I'm just going to pull on this linchpin right here. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> yeah. And it, I, apparently if any of the rocks move... In the lower area, an avalanche begins. Yeah, yeah right, right. Like, like the Mayans rigged a trap for Indiana Jones <laughs> next to this lovely pond. Yeah, so they start falling down, but luckily she can speed pray. So she speed prays and tells God that she'd rather not get killed by rocks and promises not to disobey her dad if God doesn't kill her with rocks. And God thinks to himself, well, you're not going to disobey him if I do kill you with the rocks either. You know, I mean, just like quick, be clear. I get that one way or the other. Yeah. And she says, I mean, she does speed pray, but it's also a serious, heartfelt speed prayer. Well, right. Right. Not yeah. dying. It's not one of those half-assed, don't kill me if you get a chance. <laughs> Passive aggressively texting God. Hey, just a quick poke about this. <laughs> Did we I ever tell land on you killing me or not killing me in the last <laughs> meeting? Can you read back the notes? <laughs> yes, I but could search but, for it if we use Slack. But the important <laughs> thing is, she prayed not to die. She didn't die, and that meant that God was real. So yeah. she decided she would always be Christian from that day forward. Yeah, and she says that God or God's angels picked him up out of the avalanche. And set them back down on the path, but not on the path that they were going to go to the sap party on the path leading back home. Yes, it, it was it was one of those one way paths. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted her to try again. She's like, all right, obvious time to go. Save me again. Save me again. I got it. I got it. Sorry. My fault. Yeah, but so she was pretty, pretty stoked about this miracle of falling down without dying. So she decided and, and she and she even says, and I decided never to say anything about this to anyone, which I clearly fucked up on since you're, you're watching this. <laughs> but then we get a scene like she's like, you know, I, I, I decided I'd always do whatever my dad told me from now on. And then we get a little montage of her doing what dad told her. Right. Just sitting. Yeah, exactly. Still. Well, sitting in church, yeah, in, in a time when church was even worse than it is now, apparently. <laughs> what was happening there? Apparently, women did lots of uh, beekeeper work on the side <laughs> yes. all the time. It was crazy. It was like uh, it was like Handmaid's Tale, but all the women were super old. So, like, yeah, 
And and fucking bees instead of rich people? I don't know what they're going for. Be the doily, Edith. Be the doily. <laughs> Praise be. <laughs> All right. But so she served on a lengthy mission trip. Thank you. And by the time she comes back from the mission trip, uh, Joe, her little brother that fell down the time with her that she didn't die, had moved away. And dad wouldn't have a very important talk with her. <laughs> so dad sits her down and he says, so, hey, were you and Joe ever falling down a rock slide and, and a couple of angels <laughs> showed up and yanked you back onto the path or, or something like that? And she's like, oh, my God, that's so what happened? Crazy. <laughs> I wanted dad to be like, oh, you never mentioned the angels? It's 1885. Do you know how boring my life is? You didn't tell me about the fucking angels. Do you we know what story about tree sap here, lady? Do you know what story I have told whenever I have had a story to tell? That time the cow almost looked at me. That was the story. I'm going to die in six minutes. I'm married to like an 85-year-old beekeeper over there. I, 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 I look like Waluigi for some reason. You got to tell me stories. This is not going well. I don't me. even know how Any you were conceived. Story. Tried to make you a younger brother four times. Got a fold. Just a cloth <laughs> fold. <laughs> so, yeah. So, dad tells. And by the way, this actor speaks entirely through his nose, which is quite distracting. So, yeah. So, the dad tells Belle about when Joe had a terrible fever. And in his delirium, he told her, uh, he told dad the story of the angels saving them from the pebble slide back in the day. Yeah. And dad's like, well, this is canon. Um, during a violent fevery rant, he said angels saved you from a rock slide. That must be accurate. That's what's happening. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's one of those reliable memories that goes away with the disease. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. No, because he says that. He's like, uh, dad's like, oh, but then, you know, I asked Joe about it after the fever and he forgot he ever said it. Yeah. <laughs> and she confirms it. She's like, yeah, yeah it's true. Sorry, I lied about that. And he's so, he's so excited. He's like, this confirms it. This is great. God's protecting us. It's awesome. We're, 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 we're never going to die. So let's, <laughs> let's test this. Chops his arm off. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> hey, hold on a <laughs> really, second. Really thought I was going to do a big impactful demo there. <laughs> Normally, I'm not good at actually chopping things. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah I, I, was, I was in the frame, though. That's kind of miraculous. Yeah, but then there's this weird moment where she gets like really jealous of of Joe for getting to see the angels, whereas you know she just felt lifted. <laughs> yeah, Tur turns out angels are invisible if you're the one who almost kills a toddler. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. No, that's where she lands. They they still save you, but they're like <laughs> passive aggressive invisible angels. At that <laughs> yes. point. I don't know. <laughs> Casey Anthony gets to heaven. It is empty up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now it's time to wrap things up. She goes, you know, I felt lifted by angels a lot in my life, but that day was the most significant time that God ever intervened. And I'm like, wow, feels like you're arguing on our side now, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> doesn't? Anyway, God is real. Just thought I'd. Yeah, because one time uh, I know. fell down and didn't die. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Right. The end of movie. 
Right. Then, yeah, then we get a couple of Bible quotes. We get Matthew 18, 10, which I paraphrased as don't rape kids. They might be angels. <laughs> yeah. And this is where we get the breakfast club clothes, which is the saddest thing in the world. <laughs> yes. uh, Bell Richards went on to write many beautiful poems. <laughs> no, no, she did not. I have found her book. It is not good. And she wrote one of them. It was, and it's bad. She went on to play Scrabble by herself in the dark. <laughs> yeah, and that's somehow literally all the story had to offer. Somebody came across that account and said, oh, my God, this needs to be seen, not just read. And they continued to think that all through the process of realizing how much money this would cost, which is the kind of stupidity that ensures we're always going to be able to promise more god-awful minis to come. But until then, we're going to leave you with a much happier or at least better Breakfast Club close. Joe ended up marrying a Jewish lady and went to hell. It was... Too bad God didn't let him get killed in that rock <laughs> Bell eventually discovered masturbation and doesn't mind being left behind on tree sperm day anymore. <laughs> Most people don't die of fevers anymore, thanks to vaccination. Go science. science. <laughs> Bell traveled the world starting avalanches. It was <laughs> Trying to catch a glimpse of no, an angel. No, look, watch. I won't die. I won't die. Trust me. <laughs> oh, she's the Mr. Glass of Angels. <laughs> Much better man. Before we snuff the candle this week, I want to remind you that we're less than a month away from the American Atheist Annual Convention. We're in Cincinnati this year. It's Easter weekend. We're going to be there recording an episode of Gam Live. They're going to be chock full of great speakers. If you want more information, you need go no further than the show notes. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Monday. An even newer episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday. And an even newer episode of our half sister show citation needed debuting at noon eastern on wednesday obviously this show would have weighed a lot more if i neglected to thank heath enright for doing all the heavy lifting while i was on the road this weekend i need to thank eli bosnick for doing all the same amount of work as he usually does but bragging about it more often i need to thank the lovely and talented lucinda Lucians for all the late night azul sessions i also want to thank don ford voice of fantasy and adventure for reminding me that i forgot to thank him last week for helping out i also want to thank the reverse audio and modulate pitch functions on audacity for distracting from the fact that i ran out of farnsworth quotes uh, incidentally, if you'd like to promote your Facebook page or your Instagram page or your podcast or your blog or whatever, send me a Farnsworth quote. Check the website for details. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people. Jay, Derek, Brandon, Nate, Joel, Penelope, Hashtag, Heathen, Berglimmer, Christina, Kira, John, Josh, Aaron, Phil, and James. Jay, Derek, Brandon, Nate, and Joel, whose dicks are so big that when they're in Texas, people just call the river the Rio Media. Penelope, Hashtag, Heathen, Berglimmer, Christina, and Kira, whose wit is so sharp it gives Hatari Hanzo razor envy. And John, Josh, Aaron, Phil, and James, who have have to take turns ejaculating so as not to fuck up that tsunami warning system. Together, these 15 feisty free thinkers forewent frills like food and fuel to further our foundational function of flouting the fallacious foibles of faith this week by giving us money. 
Not everybody has the money it takes to give us money, but if you do, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help but you can't afford money on your salary, you can also help a ton by following at PIATpod on Twitter, liking our Facebook page, or leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingavius.com. I'm going to splice in you saying spice. That's a spicy meatball one way or the other. Thank you. No, that's... You got to stay true to the script. <laughs> yeah. Script is the script, man. <laughs> oh, is, is that the role we're playing with now? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it is not. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> you want to play script chicken? Ain't that right? I'll play fucking script chicken. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.